0: Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins and welcome into the Thursday, February the 28th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose. Of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show the Combine about to get underway Brian Flores and Chris Greer speak at the Combine in Indianapolis we'll get you caught up on the key quotes and takeaways from those press conferences plus we'll preview the Combine and tell you what the actual scouts are looking for throughout the weekend and how to tailor your viewing experience to be Miami Dolphins specific and could Ryan Tannehill return we'll discuss that and our prospect of the day in the final segment. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. And give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. And check out lockedondolphins.com. We're going to have some numbers on combine averages, what you should be looking for. But if you forget on the podcast, just check out lockedondolphins.com. It's all written up there in the combine preview. And last but not least, the other locked on sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On NFL Draft podcast and the Draft Dudes podcast to get you guys ready for everything NFL draft leading up to the end of April. We have another busy show, as we always do here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And the first things we're talking about today are just the press conferences of Chris Greer and Brian Flores. And Flores spoke for about 19 minutes in total, and Greer spoke for about eight minutes, which looked like it was off in a corner of some hallway in a hotel. Again, all the NFL executives, journalists, everybody involved in the league Except for me, I guess, is in Indianapolis right now doing all this stuff. So, tons of good opportunities for sound bites, information, all that fun stuff. Let's go ahead and talk about Brian Flores' 19 minutes at the mic, though. And the first thing I noticed immediately was that he looks rested, and maybe not as rested as a normal human being should be because he is cramming the last few weeks since he got this job. But if you look at it comparatively to the presser he came into Miami with the day after the Super Bowl, he was completely exhausted and pretty much didn't have it in him for that presser, but this one was much different. Let's just go ahead and go chronologically through the stuff they talked about, and they asked him about what was the main thing he looked for in building a staff, and I like this comment. He wants to build a coaching staff that resembles the type of team they want to build, a smart team, a tough team, a team that communicates things effectively, and he wanted those same traits in his coaching staff and then they asked him about which of the offensive personnel he liked on the roster and he wouldn't single anybody out just said we have a good group of guys I was hoping he would say Albert Wilson or Kenyon Drake but he did not And then this next topic I think is going to be very important for Brian Flores going forward. Asked about what he's had to do as far as managing his time as the head coach and trying to plan his day. And he mentioned that it's a big challenge and that something he's going to have to learn quickly because things come his way all the time and there's always something to do, always a meeting to attend. And being the head coach, and this is me speaking now, means that there's going to be things that get added to your plate all the time throughout the day every single day and I think that his measured approach which was very on display again he's definitely measured and considers what he's going to say before he says it I think that approach will bode well as far as growing and learning those traits to become a head coach and the guy in charge of the entire team opposed to being a guy in charge just of a defense or a positional group like he has been in the past and as measured as he is and as discreet as he is in this press conference as most coaches tend to be this time of year or just in general he did let something kind of slip out because they asked him what the most important aspect of the team he wants to build and he did say everything from top to bottom every unit is important but he did start rambling off units and he started by saying run defense and then pass defense so the old defensive mind does not rest there he did ramble on talking about kick coverage and that type of thing but I think that was more of a cover this guy's a defensive guy at heart and I'm sure that's where they'll start on this roster then he was asked about Patrick Graham calling the defense and how he'll handle that responsibility for the first time and Brian Flores said having done it for a year I know that it's not just one person it's a collaborative effort and that's what we'll do here we'll take opinions and suggestions from everybody on the defensive staff Asked about how he develops players and getting these young guys up to speed and ready to perform at the NFL level. And this was probably one of my favorite parts of the entire presser was he talked about rookies, second year players, even a seven year vet. We want to develop everybody in this building and that goes beyond football. And to me, that's something he learned from Bill Belichick. Teach everybody their job, but also cross-train them how to do other things and make them valuable to your organization. Teaching, teaching, teaching has been the theme for a long time on this podcast now, talking about this coaching staff. And I think in that regard, they probably got it right. And of course, there were some obligatory questions about how he translates the Patriot way into Miami. And with Chad O'Shea on staff and himself, Flores, of course, if they're going to try to be like the Patriots on both sides of the ball, Flores balked and said that this week alone is about getting the players from the combine figured out finding out their strengths, their weaknesses, how they will fit for the team. And he also came back to this and mentioned that this bodes well for the future because even if they don't draft these players, they can get an idea for how they feel, how they tick, how they act in certain situations, and that benefits them down the line. When some of these players do become available in free agency, through trades, whatever it is, you have to find out about all the guys, even if you're not going to draft but just seven or eight players. You need to know players in the league for a future reference. I'm glad that he did reference that. And then they asked him about what it's been like to be a head coach, and he was very humble and gracious in saying that it has been an incredible experience so far and that he's thankful, but he never feels like he's arrived, and this is just another starting point in his career. They want to build a smart team, a tough team, a team that can play under pressure, and those are their focuses every single day. They then asked Flores about Ryan Tannehill and like Chris Greer did we'll talk about this in the final segment they balked on it just talking about how everything is an evaluation and they still have some time to do that. They have done evaluations but they have about two weeks to make those decisions and like I said we'll come back to the subject on the podcast talked about Brandon Bolden and Danny Amendola that he has not met with them yet but he believes they are both good players and great teammates that embody the team message so maybe Amendola sticks around I'm not sure I'm not a fan of it, but I think it's definitely possible they asked him about quarterback traits he mentioned three things and he kind of danced around this but he did mention these three traits two times each mobility which is very interesting Accuracy and leadership, those two are kind of a given, but mobility really isn't a thing that coaches say off the top that often, and that gives me a little bit of hope for my guy, and I'm sure all of you know who I'm talking about, of course, with Kyler Murray. And then, of course, they had to ask him about some of the things he says that sound like Bill Belichickian, so to speak, in that, we are going to focus on this year. Last year is last year and they asked if those Belichick quotes are rubbing off on him and he didn't hide from it. He said, sure, that's a possibility, but I think it's a good message and I'm going to say things that I think are smart things to say to my football team and to say to you guys and build that way. And I just think he was very genuine and very honest. There's still a lot of ums and uhs, but I think that'll improve as he goes along. I think he's much more personable and straightforward than Adam Gase ever was. And then at the very end of the presser, he He paused and thanked the media. And for guys like me, for instance, that were fresh into the scene last year, and even for veterans, that goes such a long way because Adam Gaze could not have sprinted away from the podium fast enough in his time in Miami. And he thought that dealing with the media was just an unnecessary thing for him, which it probably is, but at least show the respect of those people doing their jobs. I think there's definitely some Patriot Way dust, so to speak, sprinkled on Brian Flores. He's not wearing the hat over his eyes. And frankly, to me, He looks damn good in aqua. Well done, coach. All right, we're going to talk about Chris Greer. We're going to preview the combine and touch on Ryan Tannehill. We might have to bump prospect of the day today. We'll see how the time goes. We'll get to all that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Thursday here on the Locked on Dolphins podcast. The last day in February. The Combine officially kicks off on Friday with on the field drills and we're going to talk about what you should be looking for on those drills throughout the course of the weekend here in just one minute. But real quick I want to go over the eight minutes that Chris Greer spent with the media talking at the Combine about this team's vision about this team's focus and about their plans at the Combine this week. And the first thing that Chris Greer mentioned was he likes to look at these players' background at the Combine and he related it to Brian Flores who had to earn everything he's been given and that that similar trait in some of these players who have had to overcome adversity they can apply that to their football lives and so I think Greer is a bit of a softie when it comes to players that have had to overcome adversity. And that's not a bad way, a bad character trait to really focus your attention on in these meetings. I like that idea and I like that he referenced it back to Brian Flores. They asked him about veterans on big contracts that could be in trouble and how the roster construction will look, which is kind of fitting compared to my article I wrote yesterday looking at undrafted free agents or guys that got cut from other teams so as not to disrupt the comp formula. And of course, he walked it back and said the exact same thing that Brian Flores said we're in evaluation right now everything is on the table but that was a great question from whoever asked that the reporter that asked that good job on that question he also balked on Ryan Tannehill but he did not balk on Xavier Howard he said he's very confident that X will be back and that one sounded super super genuine to me I imagine he'll be a priority this offseason and he said that X wants to be a Miami Dolphin long term now they asked him about Jawan James as well and no discussions with Juwan James have gone on in Miami he did say Juwan got married last weekend so they wanted to give him some time away from football and they're going to come back after the combine and discuss contracts with Juwan James and they asked also about the level of interest in having him return Chris Greer was not quite as genuine on this or as straight to the point as he was on Howard but he did say they'd like to have him back but that they will see what the market brings to him and what James is looking for on the market. So I think James could test the market and maybe come back to the Dolphins after he goes out there. But again, if he gets to the market, I think he gets a big time payday and exits stage left. Keeping Jawan James just means you have one less box to check on the roster via Chris Greer. At the end of the day, we'll do what's best for the organization, but he was just so much less committal on James than he was X. Then of course, he had to get asked about the tank and And he laughed at it, which I agree is a stupid, stupid question, even if certain reporters want to perpetuate that idea or the idea that they're going to lose games on purpose. And he said, everyone might have taken Stephen Ross's comments out of context, called Stephen Ross both volatile and competitive. I thought that was interesting, the volatile part, because... That's not a personality trait you want to have, especially from a guy that makes all the decisions down from the top to the bottom. That was a very interesting comment, and I'd love to know more about why he said that or what he means by that. And to refer back to the tanking idea, he said, look, we can't go out here and talk about wanting tough guys and smart guys that play their ass off and then ask them to rein it back and lose games on purpose, which I thought was a very good point in itself. They also asked Greer about Brian Flores and the decision to hire him and some of the traits they liked about him, said he was organized, detailed, personable, he knew facts about everybody that was there in the interview process, you can feel his presence, you can feel his leadership, and the way he treats people is very impressive. Next, he was asked if he wants Flores to embrace the way they did things in Foxborough and or in New England, rather. And he said, whatever works for Brian, we were impressed with the names that he wanted to hire, mentioned Jim Caldwell and Marvin Allen, which I thought was weird because Allen was a front office hire, but obviously the staff that Brian Flores presented to them was a big selling point on hiring Brian Flores. And lastly here, asked about the quarterbacks class. I thought this was a great quote as well and might have been a bit of damning news towards Brian Tannehill. Greer said, It's silly that we actually have to grade these quarterback classes before anybody's actually had a chance to meet these players because most of playing the position is mental. The We need to know how they process information, how they'll be in the locker room. It's all about those intangibles. We've seen guys with big arms that can make all the throws that don't make it because if they're not wired right upstairs, it's not going to pan out. And that last bit there is Ryan Tannehill in a nutshell. The big time arm, the good athlete, but just didn't quite see things quick enough in the NFL. And that's why he is where he is right now. And we're going to get back to Ryan Tannehill and talk about him in the final segment. But real quick, let's go ahead and turn the page and talk about my column up on LockedOnDolphins.com, previewing the scouting combine this weekend in Indianapolis. And the basis of this article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, as well as the podcast segment here in the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, was completely stolen from Daniel Jeremiah of the Move the Sticks podcast. You guys know that he's like my favorite draft analyst in the business. He got the promotion to the lead draft analyst for NFL Network, taking over for Mike Mayock, a big-time promotion and a very well-deserved one for Daniel Jeremiah. But he talked about this thing they would do in Baltimore when he who was a scout, how they would take the average measurables for starters in the league at each position and he amended it to say why do we want to be average? Let's go ahead and take the top 10 guys at each position and take those averages and so that's what I did across the NFL landscape as far as quarterbacks and running backs and receivers just going based off passer rating, rushing yards and receiving yards, defensive players and offensive linemen. I just took the top 10 guys off PFF which you can debate all you want but the idea and the principle all falls under the same umbrella when you do that. Let's go some of these positions and talk about the average player what you want to look for at the combine coming on friday saturday sunday and monday and saturday will be the quarterbacks the average quarterback in the top 10 this year in the nfl was six two and three eighths inches tall 220 pounds runs a four point nine forty yard dash a three cone of 7.28 and a 30 inch vertical so that's your average baseline for a top 10 quarterback and we're going to skip some of these positions that I think maybe aren't that big of a need for the Dolphins going into the offseason, like wide receiver and running back. Talking about tight ends, your average tight end. And the top 10 in the NFL, again, is 6'4", 7'8", 253 pounds. They run a 4'6", 4'40", a 3-cone of 7.11, a 35-inch vertical, and they can bench out 21 reps of 225 pounds. And of course, the offensive line is going to be a big, big selling point for the Dolphins. These guys are going to work out tomorrow on Friday. So check out these players for these numbers at tackle on the outside. Six, five and a half inches, 312 pounds, a 40 of 5.09 seconds so those guys are scooting but the even more important drill and this is probably more true for interior offensive linemen but the three cone 7.69 a 31 inch vertical 34.5 inch arms and 26 bench reps on the interior 6.4.5 inches tall 314 pounds the 40 yard dash is lower at 5.24 and the three cone is higher at 7.56 that obviously has to do more with getting out in space getting to the second level and making those down blocks in the Run game. They also want 29-inch verticals on the vert jump and 25.5 and bench reps on the old bench press. As far as defensive ends go, the average top 10 guys based on PFF's overall grades. Their measurables go like this six foot three and one eighth inches, 268 pounds, a 4.7840, a 7.263 cone, 34 and a half inch vertical jump, 23 reps on the bench press. Let's go ahead and move things along here to cornerback. Six foot and one eighth inches, I thought was interesting because the league is going more towards these lengthy corners, just like the Dolphins try to do with Cornell Armstrong, Xavier Howard, even going back to Byron Maxwell and Tony Lippett. 201 pounds, that's that's a pretty well-built corner. A 4.52 40-yard dash, a 6.983 cone, a 36-inch vertical, and 13 reps. If you guys want to find the rest of these measurables, again, go to lockedondolphins.com. The Dolphin Scouting Combine preview and taking a look at what we're looking for on day one. The running backs, offensive line, and specialists will be out there. I think you can pretty much go across this entire group of O-linemen and try to find players for this Dolphins team because all of these guys are going to be in the mix pretty much every single round the Dolphins pick offensive line is a possibility, whether it is the Cody Fords, the Garrett Bradbury's, the Chris Lindstrom's, the Dalton Reisner's in that first round, or going back a little bit to guys like Eric McCoy, Lamont Gilliard, Nate Davis. Wherever the Dolphins are in this draft, offensive line has to be a priority. That's day one. Day two is the quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. Now, Dwayne Haskins intends to do his on-the-field drills. Kyler Murray is undecided. I doubt he will run, but if he throws, that's going to be bad news. If you want Murray, because I think he's going to throw the ball so well that that'll be the final nail in the coffin for him being a top three pick I think Jared Stidham will look good on these drills so will Drew Locke Daniel Jones and Will Greer those guys are going to struggle at receiver I want to watch David Sills, the fifth he is a picturesque candidate for that X position boundary receiver that the Dolphins have a need at as far as tight end look all across the board because Miami could use inline flex pieces detach pieces they can stand to add all types of tight ends to this roster maybe even an H back slash Fullback type. Defensive line and linebackers, those guys go out for day three. Cleveland Farrell out of Clemson is a name to keep an eye on there. And of course, this entire group of players at this spot will be on watch for the Miami Dolphins. Before day number four, the defensive backs, I think this group is. Very, very loaded in the first two rounds of this draft. In about that 15 to 40 range, you can see a lot of names come off. I hope the Dolphins find a way to trade back and get a couple of them if they can't get Kyler Murray. You've heard the names, DeAndre Baker, Desir Adderley, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Jonathan Abram. All these guys are going to be on the watch list for the Dolphins. And speaking of the Dolphins watch list, we are going to track the visits the Dolphins have at the Combine as best we can and keep a live running document up on LockedOnDolphins.com. So as always, your guys' number one source for everything about this Miami Dolphins football team, news, information, analysis, commentary, film, whatever it is, Locked on Dolphins is your home. Tell a friend about it, please. Share the word. Get those follows up on Twitter. We need more and more growth, and you guys drive that, and we really, really appreciate it. All right, let's go ahead and turn to the third segment on the podcast. We'll get to that next, talking about Ryan Tannehill's future, and is it possible that he's back in Miami? We'll get to that next on the Locked on Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked on Fins.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements?
0: Combine weekend right ahead, and we have Chris Greer, Brian Flores, and the Dolphins staffers talking about what they're looking for at each position with the players and the construction of this roster. And of course, they were asked about guys like Xavier Howard and Jawan James. It sounds like they want both of those guys back, especially Xavier Howard. They were non-committal on Cameron Wake as well as Ryan Tannehill, which brings up our next topic: talking about the possibility of Ryan Tannehill coming back and quarterbacking this team in the 2019 season, and there's a myriad of factors that go into this idea. Number one, I do believe that Ryan Tannehill, not for any fault of his own, has a divisive figure in the locker room among the other players that felt like he was treated differently than everybody else under Adam Gaze, and... That's not because Ryan Tannehill was special or better than anybody else in any way. I mean, Russell Wilson, who is a great quarterback, had the exact same problem or reports of the exact same problem with guys like Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and Michael Bennett and everybody on that Seahawks defense. And I think similar things happened with Ryan Tannehill as Adam Gaze was very quick to protect his quarterback in the last three years in Ryan Tannehill. And like I said, not a fault of his own, but it might've rubbed players the wrong way. So they have to consider that as far as his locker room presence, even Chris Greer and Brian Flores both mentioned that in their pressers. Quarterbacks have to have a command of the locker room. Number two, the salary considerations and the dolphins will have to pay Ryan Tannehill out thirteen million dollars as far as dead cap money goes this season, no matter what happens, but that does save them some money and not make them have to pay the full eighteen and three quarters million dollars that he 's owed this year in base salary and you can look at his twenty six million dollar cap hit There are ways to finagle around that with restructures, whatever it might be. But I think that at the end of the day, that is too much to pay for a quarterback that is not part of your long-term future because what does Ryan Tannehill do? He keeps you in that 7 to 8 to 9 win range. And is that the best thing for the Dolphins to do right now? I don't think it is. But let's go ahead and make this 100% clear. Ryan Tannehill, unless they get Kyler Murray or maybe Dwayne Haskins, even then I'm not sure, Ryan Tannehill is going to be the best potential option on the field for the Dolphins in 2019. The other free agents out there, Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Fitzpatrick, none of these guys are going to be better players than Ryan Tannehill going forward. If he gets healthy, gets the shoulder back and the arm strength back, gets the knee two years removed from ACL surgery, gets the ankle right, if he can be fully healthy for 16 games, he can be a good quarterback in this league. He has traits to do that. He's going to be short mentally in certain things, and I think that wouldn't be a great fit with what the Patriots offense coming over from Chad O'Shea wants to do in Miami. But still, he's the best option they have outside of Kyler Murray and maybe Dwayne Haskins. At the end of the day, I don't think it happens, but I can see why they would entertain the idea at the very least. All right, let's go ahead and change gears here and talk about the prospect of the day. I retweeted a video of it. It's absolutely insane. They called him Saquon Barkley reincarnated. Miles Sanders, the running back out of Penn State. The video I tweeted up on my timeline at Wingfield NFL shows Sanders breaking six tackles en route to about a 50-yard touchdown run against Michigan State, who's one of the best defenses in the country year in and year out. And he is very agile, very quick to cut in and out of holes. He's a zone-style runner. And he can flex out and run pretty much every route from the slot as a receiver and do things in the passing game that way. I think he'd be a fantastic fit in this offense. He has great acceleration, great high-end speed, can hit the big run, big chunk gains. And the concern you have with Sanders is a little bit limited experience-wise, and maybe he might not be the best between the tackles runner, but that's why you probably get him in the third or fourth, maybe fifth round of this draft and be happy you did because he can contribute right away on your offense. All right guys, that's a good time to end the show today. Check out lockedondolphins.com. We have tons of content coming out for you guys. We'll have the news team ready to go when players get cut. We'll have the film study stuff for the new players that get acquired via free agency, all the combine stuff, all the interviews, all the visits. Everything you guys want to know, lockedondolphins.com, also on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, which if you have a smart speaker, you can pull up and play instantly. Just say play Locked On Dolphins podcast. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the show at Locked Fins. Keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for a Twitter mailbag and combine edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Sorry, I couldn't cut Freddie off.